0: I'm spending the money before I even had the money. So life seemingly was okay, but somehow I was still in this big debt. And nobody was stopping to say, maybe we should teach a 24-year-old kid that we just pulled out of Borough Park. How to balance a checkbook.
1: Josh Spiegel got married at 18 years old, was a father at 19 years old, started a business selling flowers out of his dad's balloon store in Borough Park, and that somehow turned into producing high-end weddings in New York City's most iconic venues. What?
0: So I actually started in a very religious school. I went to Tortamima. That was elementary school. But then I shifted over to MTA for high school.
1: You finish MTA?
0: Finished MTA, got engaged.
1: Out of high school?
0: Yeah, 18.
1: Wow. Yeah. How'd you do that? (laughs)
0: It was crazy. Um, I was dating my wife, obviously, in high school. I proposed literally, we graduated in June and I proposed in August. Wow. Yeah, it was very quick. It was crazy. My parents thought I was crazy. My parents and my in-laws thought I was crazy. Did you think you were crazy? I didn't care. I was like, whatever, just do it. Like, what's the difference? You find someone you like. So I think that the first thing people think about when you get married young is, you know, how are you going to support? But Then I didn't care because I was just like, uh, I don't have much now. So whatever i just won't have much <laughs> right. then either right and she felt the same way so we're like we'll be fine together we'll just we'll figure it out the same way our parents figured it out you know right. that was kind of the vibe so my growing up my dad did balloons that's my dad's business he does balloons that's his whole life he had like this really cute Chacha store in borough park that sold balloons so he was always known as a balloon guy but I, I so i grew up in somewhat of a creative environment because my dad's very creative and he did stuff with balloons and colors and you know and growing up he would actually, I, I mean, everyone compliments now, my work ethic, but it really started then because- You were working in the store. My dad would wake me up at like four in the morning to go set up brises with him. Wow. Because everyone did just balloons for brises back in the day before we started hanging elephants from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> so back, back in the day, it was just balloons. Like you would get seven balloons on a table. If you're really fancy, you got one that said, it's a boy on top, you know? Right. Uh, so that would be set up at 5 AM because you know, Ashkenaz brises start at seven and then he dropped me off at school. Wow. Every day. It's crazy.
1: And you were in high school?
0: No, I was eight. Like, I started young. You were eight years old. and just doing this with my up dad. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. I used go to go with him every, every day. day. It was like the only time we got to spend with each other, so we did it. It was good. And it really taught me what it's like to work. After, you know, I got married, we had to figure out what to do. Just jumping back. So my mother-in-law actually said to me, she goes, you bring such beautiful flowers for Ariel, my wife. Every Friday, I want to just do flowers. Flowers and balloons go really well together. So I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. So I went to the market, bought flowers, brought them to my dad's store, and we started trying to sell flowers. I knew nothing about flowers. I didn't know how to strip a rose. I didn't know how to do anything with it. And but you
1: figured the same customer that's going to buy the balloon is going to buy the flowers. Well, why
0: would they not? It makes so much sense. Like right. If you're like, going to buy a $2 balloon, you buy a $10 flower, and you have like a $12 gift. That's good. Great. That's it. That's it. I figured. I figured it's easy, quick. Right. Of course, I had that guy in the corner and that guy in the corner and their shopping carts selling flowers were like much cheaper than me because I had an overhead. They didn't. And then up the block, there was another florist for me, a really nice Russian guy. So my first move was to try to like isolate the, uh, the competition. So I went first to the Russian guy and I said, listen, I'm on the right side of the train tracks. You're on the wrong side of the train tracks. We're in a very religious community. I wear a keep on my head. No one even knows you're Jewish. I'm like, why don't we and you know about flowers. I don't know about flowers, but I have a good store and you have a semi good store. Why don't you close your semi-good store, come to my good store, take your knowledge, my people, and we'll combine and make a business out of it. And he agreed. It happened to be we worked together for 10 years after that. He pretty much taught me everything I knew.
1: You did that for 10
0: years? I did it for a long time. I did it with him for 10 years. I started then, again, I'm 19 now, 19. Um, Found out my wife was pregnant three months after marriage. She got pregnant. So 11 months later, we had a baby and we were 19 years old. That wasn't supposed to happen. (laughs) That wasn't part of the plan, but it became the new plan. And now I'm like, oh, shoot. Now I really have to figure out how to provide. So I needed to take it up a notch. So I started like peddling flowers. That's really what I started doing. I started taking the, the idea of pushing shopping carts and selling flowers out of shopping carts until, you know, because other people do it and they clearly make money doing it, but it wasn't enough. So over time, I don't know how it happened. I would start doing like small jobs, like. $1,000 $1,000 wedding in Bower Park in like a basement, $1,500, $500. I thought I was like everything.
1: When you say doing a wedding, you are doing the floral arrangements. the
0: floral arrangements for the weddings. Like literally $75 centerpieces on tables. But yeah, I was forced into trying to figure other things out. So I remember one day I was sitting with like a bunch of leftover flowers, which is the worst part about being in the flower industry is like, what happens on Tuesday when no one wants to buy your flowers and they're leftover from Friday? You can't sell them the next week. It's perishable. It's like fruit. Same thing. Right. You got to chuck it. So instead of chucking it, I started just making flowers by myself when I was bored. I just started making arrangements in the store. And one day, this woman by the name of Zahava Fish, she was like a really, really big party planner at the time, event planner. She walked in, she saw one of my arrangements I was making for my friend who had just had a baby. And she's like, I'm gonna hire you to do a job. You look like you have good taste. I'm like, okay. Just like, okay. I didn't say, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, until I never did one before, I didn't tell her anything. I just said, "Okay."
1: How did she find you?
0: She walked into my store for balloons. That's how I started. I learned from her. She's like, "She could do it. I could do it, right?" Uh, and she gave me my start. Uh, but over time, what happened was all this kind of happened simultaneously. I started alongside doing these small events. I started working actually in the Syrian community and doing people's homes. And that was like my big niche. Like. I would go every Friday to people's homes and fill their vases with flowers. Really? It was a really big deal. Before all the community started doing that, I think there's like many, many people do it. Back in the day, there was nobody. It was like Louis Constantinos and that was it, you know? Um, And the women kept saying to me, they're like, we don't want to come to you every week. Like you do beautiful flowers, we don't want to come to you every week. Can you come to us? So I said, okay. You know, I'm like I'm not doing much at the store, and if all you guys decide not to come anymore, now I have nothing right. to do. So every Thursday, I'd go to the market at 4 a.m., buy all my flowers, come back to the house, start Friday at Friday at 7 a.m., and start doing my rounds. You know, start on Avenue O and then and Quentin and go. Th- you know, go through the list. But this was providing better because what people would do in a store was like, I'll spend 15 to 50 dollars on an arrangement. Once you go to their house, all of a sudden the numbers are like. I'll spend 100 dollars to $150 for you to fill my whole house. Then right. add something for the bathroom and add something for, you know, my bedroom. And add something here. And that's sort of became my thing. And then over time, those people kept saying, You want to do my birthday party? You want to do my bar mitzvah, you want to do my, my husband's 50th, you want to do, you know, my kid's one-year-old birthday party. And I just said yes to everything. I had no idea what the hell what I was. What was your wife doing at the time? So she started a daycare in the house because it was easy. She needed to be home with the baby so she started watching other babies so she was like holding down the fourth you guys day.
1: just come up with simple business ideas that it's just whatever it we could a do a lot of sense
0: but it was easy yeah she didn't want she's like i can't leave the house and i have a kid so i have to watch a kid but i can watch two kids so now i'm getting paid to watch my own kid you know what i'm saying
1: <laughs> what's the next move you're saying yes to everything
0: so the next big move the big uh the big moment was i was approached by three people in the community, who said we hear you're like really great with customer service in Shari Zion, is like you know it's it's a portal of nonstop events, right? So there was only one person there; it was Louis. So Louis had to had the uh, monopoly there, and I guess these guys, these this group of people, decided that they were going to go up against Louis and start a flower business. So they did. They built this really beautiful shop. So they approached me saying, "You have the service aspect." You know and you're creative will you be able to do this and i was like leave my dad's store what do you want me to do they're like yeah we want you to go we want you to go to the to take over our shop and i'm like well what's the commitment on my end they're like just we want you to do you you'll be our partner so like everything else in my life i'm just like okay (laughs) i just said okay i'll roll with it i went there openly told them i know nothing about business i don't know how to make money i don't know money yeah so basically these guys brought me in and kinda of left me to die. That's really what happened. I remember my first wedding in Charizard. The budget was ten grand. I thought I hit the damn lottery. I was doing fifteen hundred dollar weddings like a week before. Right. Ten thousand dollar wedding was like my mind was blown. I was like coming up with ideas. I'm ripping out magazines of Grace Armand. I'm like I'm gonna hang orchids entire ceiling. I like I didn't even know. Like I didn't know what to I didn't know how to I didn't know how to budget it. Right. But now I have overhead. Now I have eighteen employees. Now I have, you know, insurances. Now I have trucks. Now I have damages. Now I have loss. So over time we just kept losing money. Worry. Losing money. Losing money. And being a creative, you just want to keep giving. You don't really think about yourself in the process. So when they cut you the budget, you're just you're so stuck on your idea. You're just like, I'll just do it anyway and I'll make it up on the next one because it's just about getting to the next job. You're only as good as your your last job, or at least that's how I thought. So instead of helping me flip it or make it like better, they actually had me borrow money from loan sharks at the time. So now I'm 24 years old. I was borrowing on 30%. In the meantime, I think I'm making crazy amounts of money because I'm getting these big budgets. I'm spending the money before I even had the money. So life seemingly was okay, but somehow I was still in this big debt. And nobody was stopping to say, maybe we should teach a 24 year old kid that we just pulled out of Borough Park how to balance a checkbook.
1: So you're borrowing at 30%, you just bought a house, you got a family, how do you get out of that?
0: But I, I think it took, oh, how old was I? Oh my gosh. Shortly afterwards, I think I went into like what, what we would call survival mode, which is like, just make it happen every single day. Just make it happen. Oh, you're due for money for, to the loan shark? You gotta make it happen. Loan shark and I became best friends over the course of <laughs> two years scary guy i won him over he ended up coming to my office to just hang out where at the beginning it's sit there with a megaphone being like this guy owes me money like it was it was bad i mean it's better than breaking my legs so i can't right. complain yeah at
1: least you yeah health.
0: but like i watch him do that to other people so i went from partner to partner to partner till i finally figured it out i went on to another partner who eventually just stole a lot of money from the company and that was that <laughs> and then from there i finally met someone who actually said, you know what, I see a lot of potential here. I expressed very openly that this is just not something I'm great at because I never learned. And he's like, I'm gonna teach you. And he did. And he saved, I mean, until today, I say he saved my life. And I started turning my life around then, You know, with his help and the help of some other people, it it turned around very quickly. And then past that, I had this amazing intern who came to work for me. She was a CPA at Deloitte. Her father was actually one of the financiers of RAM. At Charizine. And then they said to me, You know, we like your integrity. We like your work ethic. We like your direction. We want to turn this into a real business. And they offered me a partnership and I took it. And Birch was born like six months later. And that's wow. it.
1: <laughs> that's the roller coaster. How old were you when Birch was born?
0: It was six years ago. It's 27. Wow. Birch wasn't supposed to be what Birch is today. I never had an, a vision for Birch to be what it is today. I had a vision for Birch to, yes, push out of the community. Yes, push more into the Ashkenaz world, which I had fallen out of. Yes, maybe dabble a little bit in like more corporate stuff within our world. I didn't expect it to expand to what it is so now. When you
1: started Birch, what was the vision?
0: I have a cool name. Try not to look too fat on Instagram. I was like, that was <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, when I started, when Birch was started with my partner now, Caroline, we didn't really have a vision. We were two kids playing every day. What my dad actually used to instill in me the number one most important thing, which was go to work every day and play. People will like it. And whoever doesn't like it, they won't buy it. It's like art. Some people get it, some people don't.
1: How, how did the name <laughs> come about? <laughs> the name
0: was very funny. We were, it was called Josh and Company and Josh and Co. That was my thing. And my partner thought it was totally pretentious. She's like, this is so silly. Like, nobody cares who you are. She's like, just people just care about their events. Like, it's not about you. Let's make a brand. Like, okay, we'll make a brand. I remember we stayed in the office at like four o'clock in the morning, like going through a million, and we we're trying to combine our initials and trying to do all that cute stuff. And then in the end, we had a wallpaper man at Birch. I turned around, I'm like, why don't we just do Birch? It's masculine, it's feminine, it's, it's a tree, it works. And she said, like, Tory Birch? I'm like, yeah, with an that's I. That's Yeah, that. so she goes, I said, yeah, with an I. She goes, but that's not your last name. I'm like, well, if nobody cares about my first name, then nobody knows what my last name is. So it could be Birch, nobody it doesn't matter. That's it. And that day was the day I became Josh Birch. The turning point I think came from the fact that someone said and I hired a marketing company at one point saying, Oh, this could be cool with you know, Instagram and Instagram came out. And Instagram is really what pushed me to the next level because I was forced to become a personality as much as a designer, as much as a businessman, as much as a father, as much as a husband. As much of a person now, all of a sudden, I have to be a, a personality too. Because what happened was that people started coming over to me and being like, "Oh, we see you all day. We love following you. We love this. We love that." And I heard everything they had to say, and I realized that they want to just be a part of the process. It's a fun thing. People are excited. They're enamored by what happens with events because it's it's kind of like this fantasy. And and then the real boost was that my marketing company says there's just something called Engage, and it's a group. It's not Jewish. You should go, be a part of it. It's a Part of the bigger industry try it out i went there signed up for this this for lack of a better word a conference for the events world and that year after going to this conference which is an incredible opportunity you know incredible experience just to be there um from the small party planners i did eight hundred thousand dollars in indian business i booked 32 indian weddings in less than three months that's what changed my career, going there and getting this opening to outside of the community, outside of my comfort zone, outside of my, of my world and saying it's okay to be me there too. And that allowed me to keep saying yes because I said, you know what, now nothing's holding me back. And I'm up there with all the New York best now. And first of all, I'm half of everyone's age. I'm wearing a key on my head all the time. My background's my background, my flaws were my flaws. My, my perks are my perks, my ethics are my ethics. I'm just Lord doing me. me. me.
1: That's it. Where are you now?
0: Oh, now. Now, I'm in the process of a rebrand. Time to move up. So Birch now, without the craziness, is forging very much forward. Uh, I really, we, we've gotten really connected in New York. We've gotten really connected in Texas. We've gotten really how connected many, in Miami, Palm Beach. How many
1: events do you do in a year?
0: We've scaled down. We're like at about a hundred plus, maybe hundred and forty. What
1: was it in your peak?
0: Oh my, God, I don't even know. It was so stupid. I don't know, I just know that I never slept. Now I don't sleep, then I never slept. It was like, I remember, we would stay up till four o'clock in the morning designing parties. Like, well, my whole team, I wouldn't let anyone go home. we just sleep at the office. Not the days I slept on the floors were, like, stupid.
1: I just want to understand how you went from putting together flower arrangements.
0: Into doing massive weddings? Yeah. I think when you compartmentalize challenges, they're not as scary as you think they are. And I remember my first party, one of my first biggest parties with, was, was with Norma, Norma Cohen. And she came to me, I was like this little bugger, and she's like, here's, <laughs> here's what I want you to do, I want you to do a brist for me. And then at the end of the event of Norma, I had, because Shari Zion's so back-to-back, there was a wedding that night of the bris, that party planner, Yvette Hannon, had no choice but to use me. So she's like, now I had this big wedding, followed by this big bris, that was my first introduction to the world. And I just did it.